This is the Lindell Report, bringing you news combined with hope by offering practical and achievable action points to assist you in defending and preserving faith and freedoms. And now, here is your host, Mike Lindell. Hi, Brandon House in for Mike Lindell, who has had to step out for a meeting. We're hoping that Mike can join us in just a little bit. But tonight, uh, we're got a special guest. His name is Daryl Scott. His daughter was the first student killed at Columbine back in 1999. Today, the nation is, of course, grieving over the loss of 15 lives, 14 students and one teacher. It's all over the news. I'm sure most of you by now have heard this horrible news in Texas. 14 students, one teacher. Immediately when I heard and saw the reports on the news, I immediately thought about my friend Daryl Scott. Daryl, as you just heard me say, his daughter Rachel was the first student killed at Columbine in that school massacre back in 1999. To my amazement, within months of his daughter being killed, Daryl was speaking, speaking all over the country and telling her story. I still to this day don't know how he did it, but he did. And I watched him ascend the stairs of the platform over and over in one city after another within months of her being killed and then tell the very emotional story of his daughter's life. So when I heard today's sad news out of Texas, I immediately thought about Daryl. And so I reached out to him and invited him onto the Lindell Report. I called Mike and I said, Mike, we've got a rare opportunity to hear from a father who knows exactly what the parents in Texas are going through. Mike said, I've got a meeting that's delayed me, but I do hope to join a little bit later in the broadcast. But Brandon, give him the airtime. He needs to tell about his daughter, about his life, and about how we should be thinking and praying for the parents out of Texas. Before you meet Daryl, I would like for you first to meet his daughter, Rachel. We'll tell you about an organization he's running in the memory of his daughter that has prevented tons of school shootings from occurring and lots of young people he has prevented from committing suicide. His organization is having a great impact and I want you to hear about it. But before we do, I want you to hear about, I want you to hear about the life of Rachel Scott in the words of her sister, Again, get a pen and paper and get ready to hear about his website, his organization. He's got about 30 people working for him in this great mission that he carries out every day. One that maybe we don't think about enough until it's in the news as a tragedy as it is today. If you have young people near you, I would urge you to gather them around you right now because they need to hear about Rachel. They need to hear about her father and his work and how maybe all of us together can learn something about, well, the life of Rachel and how it can impact others with not only compassion and understanding for others, but also how to prevent another Columbine, another event, just like we have seen occur today in Texas. Watch this video. When you're so close with your family, you, you really feel like you know everything about them. But after we lost Rachel, it was like we discovered this whole side of her that we had never seen before. The things that she wrote about were just so deep and so profound, especially for someone her age. Rachel really did care about other people. She understood the power that a simple act of kindness can have. I have this theory that if one person can go out of their way to show compassion, then it will start a chain reaction of the same. You know, at a time when most kids in high school are just trying to fit in, she just wanted to be herself and encouraged others to do the same. Don't let your character change color with your environment. Find out who you are and let it stay its true color. Rachel had a lot of big dreams for her life and she wasn't afraid to set high goals, even if they seemed impossible. How many of us know what we really want and go after it? How many of us have enough trust, strength and faith to believe that we 
could do the impossible. Even though Rachel was my younger sister, I look up to her. She taught me that some people live more life in 17 years than some people will in 71. And through her writings, she's inspired all of us to make each and every day count. joined now by Rachel's father, Daryl Scott. Daryl, welcome to Lindell TV. Thank you for joining us tonight. Well, thank you, Brendan. It's good to see you after all these years. It has. We have uh, not stayed in contact with each other as much as we should, but boy, we traveled the country, uh, and we have some pictures, actually, Daryl, of you speaking at a few of, of our events, but you traveled all over the country. April 20th, 1999, a day your family will never forget, I know. And I want you to speak about your story, about Rachel's life, and, and also talk to the nation about the tragedy in Texas. What you're seeing there, folks, you can go to those pictures, guys. Go ahead and go to those. That, that, those are the, the crosses of, that each represent the students killed at Columbine. I'll have Daryl tell us about those. This was at an event that I organized in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis-St. Paul, uh, and that was at Aldrich Arena. It's a hockey arena, and it was packed to capacity. What shocked me, Minnesota's not the most conservative, there's Daryl speaking, is not the most conservative state in the union, that's for sure. But what shocked me was that when we announced that Daryl Scott would be coming, that's in Duluth, that's a packed house in Duluth for an, an event. We also did one in Rochester, Minnesota. So we covered the state between Duluth, northern Minnesota, central Minnesota, the Twin Cities, and southern Minnesota, Rochester, Minnesota. But the, the, even the press in the Twin Cities gave us all kinds of publicity that Daryl would be, be speaking. And it was shocking to us. Every channel, every secular news channel in the Twin Cities promoted that he would be there. Some of them sent out their satellite trucks and covered that those crosses were out there that night. Uh, it was quite remarkable, the opportunity that Daryl had to speak to so many. Daryl, uh, before we get into your, your story, speak to what Americans should understand about what parents are facing right now tonight in Texas with the tragedy of what is reported to be 14 elementary students killed and one teacher. Well, my heart was broken as I heard the news. Uh, I know the minute I started getting phone calls from national media that there's been another school shooting. And uh, of course, my, my heart is with the parents. I understand what they're feeling, what they're going through. Some of them have not even gotten official word yet that their child has been killed. And we, as a family, <clears throat> we didn't get official word that Rachel was killed until noon the next day. But of course, by five or six o'clock that afternoon, we had called every hospital. We had uh, watched the television screen. We watched the buses come in with loads of students. And we knew later that night that she had to be one of those that had been killed or she would have contacted us. So uh, it's the not knowing that's really terrible. When, you've, when you're losing a child or when you've lost a child and you don't really know what's happened to them. And of course, I not only lost my daughter, but my son, Craig, was also a student at the school and he was in the kill zone. He was there with two of his close friends in the library and the two shooters came into the room, opened fire. They killed over 10 students right around my son and they came over to the table where he and his two buddies were and they began to taunt one of his close friends who was on the football team, Isaiah Scholes, with racial slurs moments before they shot and killed him. And then they shot his friend, Matt. And then they turned their guns on my son. And Craig knows what it's like to believe that he's going to die. He looked down the barrel of two guns, pointed at his head. And a split second before they could pull the trigger, the alarm system went off from smoke in the room. It distracted the two shooters. They never came back to the table where Craig was at, or I would have lost two of my children that day mm. at Columbine. But uh, yes, my heart's broken and will grieve for the next few days for those parents who've lost those beautiful children. I have a close friend, uh, Scarlett Lewis, who lost her little boy at Sandy Hook. And she now has a program called Choose Love. And we work closely with her to reach out to parents and to students as well worldwide. We had the chance to get to know your son, Craig. He was quite a young man when 
you were traveling and he joined us on one of the trips. So it's been years since I've seen him. He's probably full grown and I don't know what he's doing yeah. with his life. He probably has kids of his own by now, I'm guessing. Well, Craig is still single, but okay. he works in, in the movie industry. He works with Trillith and Atlanta and uh, currently working, I think, with uh, Bill Murray and Andy Garcia on a movie. Good for him. And uh, he does some speaking as well. Good for him. Well, we remember him traveling with you and and and, and what an impressive young man he was. Um, you said there, Daryl, that before they turned the gun toward Craig, and thankfully they were distracted and walked away or you would have lost two children that day. You said that he heard them with the slurs about Rachel. Did I hear you correctly? No, no, racial slurs against his friend. Uh, his friend was a black student. Oh, racial, were, racial. Okay, yeah, racial. They were, they were mocking him with racial slurs. Racial slurs, okay. The, the and that actually creates, that creates one of our challenges. When we go into school, our program is called Rachel's Challenge. And we leave them with five challenges. And the first one begins with Craig's story and watching his friend be murdered and hearing the racial slurs. And uh, we, our first challenge is to eliminate prejudice by looking for the best in other people. And it comes from that story. The, the reason I was confused there is because I do, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been several years since we've, we've uh, visited about your story. But if I remember correctly, your daughter was kind of targeted. Had, they, they, they were unhappy with her because she had been sharing Christ with them. I, again, it's been several years, Daryl, so forgive me if I got it wrong, but I think if I remember correctly, she was inviting them to church, and she was trying to reach out to those young men, and they were kind of hostile toward her because of her faith. That's why I got confused about the, the, the slurs about her, but you were saying ra racial slurs, was because she was the first student shot, if I remember correctly, but she right. was also mentioned in some of their videos that they had made in advance or some of their writings or something. And, and do I have that? Is my memory correct? They were they kind of yes. targeted her, did they not? Absolutely. They, they, they called her by name and said uh, they used a bad word and said she was a blankety blank Christian and uh, that they were going to get her. And she was the first one that was shot and killed that day. And, and uh, uh, she was still alive after being shot several times. And one of the shooters lifted her head up by her hair, and he said, do you still believe in God? And her answer was, you know I do. And then he said, then go be with him, and he shot her in the temple. And the way you know that story is because of the young man that was, she was sitting next to when this happened, correct? That's right. Richard Castaldo was uh, wounded. He's in a wheelchair for the rest of his life, but he saw what happened and heard what happened and shared it with us. Mm. Daryl. What is this picture on the screen here? We'll have you guys put that up there. I know what it is. It's a rhetorical question here, but explain to our audience what that is. Well, can I back up and, uh, and yeah. begin with another story? Absolutely. Uh, just, just a few days after the Columbine tragedy, I wrote a poem and uh, I read it to my wife and to my oldest daughter. And I said, you know, this poem is for politicians and I don't know any politicians, but I wish I could read this to some of our politicians. And uh, the next day I got a phone call from Charlton Heston. And wow. he said, I've been, I've been watching you and your interviews. And he said, you've been very level-headed. You haven't accused us of killing your daughter. A lot of people were accusing the NRA for the deaths of Columbine. And he was the president of the NRA at the time. And he said, I just want you to know how much we appreciate uh, the fact that you've not accused us and he said, we're, we're doing a meeting in Washington, D.C. in front of a House Judiciary Committee and uh, would love to have you come and just share your testimony. We're not we're not asking you to defend the NRA. And I said, well, I wouldn't come to do that. But uh, then I got a call from from uh, Congress to come and speak at that House Judiciary Committee. And I instantly knew why God had given me that point. So I went and uh, uh, in the speech that I gave, I quoted the poem, which goes like this. Your laws ignore our deepest needs. Your words are empty air. You've uh, eliminated, you've taken, you took away our freedoms. You've eliminated prayer. Now gunshots fill our classrooms and precious children die. You look for answers everywhere and ask the question why. You regulate restrictive laws through legislative creed. And yet you fail to understand that God is what we need. And uh, one of the senators proposed that we put that speech next to the Ten Commandments, 
in the halls of Congress, which they didn't do, but I, that would have been pretty cool to show my kids down the road. But uh, I still stand by that firmly. We've taken God out of our schools. We've taken prayer out of our schools. We've removed morality. We've, uh, we've confused our kids with all kinds of weird teachings. And then we wonder why everybody's so messed up and why there's so many school shootings. Yeah, absolutely. But going back to the picture that you showed. Yeah, put that up uh, there again, guys, please. Six weeks after uh, my daughter was killed, her, fu her funeral was seen on CNN by the largest viewing audience in CNN's history up to that point. And uh, I got a phone call six weeks later from a gentleman in, in uh, uh, Ohio who told me that he had, he said, Mr. Scott, you don't know me, we've never met. He said, you're probably gonna think I'm crazy when I tell you what I'm about to tell you. But he said, I've had a reoccurring dream the last uh, couple of weeks, the same dream every night. And in that dream, I see your daughter's eyes and there's a trickle of tears falling from Rachel's eyes and her tears are watering something that's growing out of the ground. There's life coming out of the ground from her tears. And I said, well, I'm sorry, Frank, it doesn't mean anything to me. And he said, would you please write my name and phone number down and call me if it ever does. A week later, I got a phone call from the sheriff's department. They said, we have Rachel's backpack ready for you to come pick up. So I rushed over to get it. I took it out to my car. I can't even describe the feelings I had because there was blood all over her backpack. There were bullet holes through it. And I got to my car and I took out some of her school books. And there in the bottom of her backpack was her final diary. And like any parent, I wanted to know the last thing she may have written before she died. So I turned to the last page of her diary and I was staring at the picture that you just showed. A picture of her eyes with a trickle of tears falling from her eyes and the tears touch a rose and turn to dark drops, which for years I thought were blood drops. But several years ago, a teacher came up to me at a conference and said, I don't think those dark drops are blood drops. I think they're seeds. And I said, why do you think they're seeds? She said, because the man in the vision said that there were a lot was life coming from her tears and the, the seeds would have brought the life out of the ground. Well, there's more to this story because the first time I shared, and by the way, I counted the clear tears. Within two hours of Rachel drawing this picture, there were 13 people killed at Columbine, a teacher and 12 students. And there were 13 clear tears falling from her eyes before they touched the rose and turned dark into seeds. The first time I ever shared this story was at a huge event in Jackson, Tennessee, but at the old country store, yes. which is a prototype yes. of all the Cracker Barrels. Mm -hmm. And the owners had put up a platform and invited churches from hundreds of miles around. We had over 10,000 people that showed up there. And as I shared this story for the first time publicly, there was a little girl over to my left uh, off the stage who had her Bible with her and she just started sobbing. And after I was finished talking, she ran up to me with her Bible open to the book of Jeremiah. And she said, Mr. Scott, I didn't know you. I didn't know your name. I didn't know your daughter's name. But three nights ago, I was reading this passage and I realized that I was supposed to share it with whoever was coming to talk. And as she handed me her Bible and I read from the book of Jeremiah, a loud voice was heard in Ramah, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. Thus says the Lord, stop your weeping, dry your tears, for your work will be rewarded. And I shall bring the children back from the land of captivity to the land of their own inheritance, saith the Lord. And when I read those words, they sunk into my spirit. And I knew from that moment on what my purpose for the rest of my life would be. And that was to share Rachel's story, to bring children back from the land of captivity to the land of freedom. And so we went to the public schools. We've now reached over 28 million students in the last 23 years. We have eight full-time employees in Guadalajara that are working with 20,000 students there. We've won three television Emmy Awards with Rachel Story. There's been a major motion picture about her life. And over 42 authors have written about her in books that they've written. And we get emails, phone calls, and letters every single day from students, many of them, that were planning to pull the trigger and commit suicide. We have 150 of those a year that come in approximately. And we've seen eight, eight uh, school shootings prevented because of Rachel's story. Wow. Daryl, um, 
again, going back in my memory, if, if I remember correctly, Rachel wanted to do many things with her life. She wanted to be maybe an actor or an actress, writer, a missionary, uh, and she kind of accomplished all of those things, hasn't yes. she? I, I think I think uh, you were you were on Oprah Winfrey's show, were you not on Oprah Winfrey's show? Yes, several uh, times. Seven times, and and if I remember the correct story again correctly, at one point you you are going up onto the platform and you're to sit in a set of chairs. I guess there were some other Columbine parents there. And there was a big blown up picture behind each parent of their child. And as you walked up onto the stage to be introduced, you, I remember you saying you, you saw Rachel's picture. And your knees kind of buckled because why? Well, I, 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 we were on, I was on Oprah's shows three times, not seven. I said several times. But, uh, but the first time uh, I walked up on the stage, I saw her picture there. And I suddenly remembered about three years earlier when I had walked in the living room and Rachel was watching Oprah Winfrey uh, lying on the floor with her hands under her chin. Uh, and she looked up when I passed by and she said, Dad, someday you're going to see me on Oprah. And the moment I saw her picture on the Oprah stage, it came back to me and Oprah saw me kind of trembling and she came over. She said, are you OK? And I shared with her the story and she and I both were crying, of course. Uh, as, as I remembered what she, what had happened. And yet she also had a heart for wanting to be a missionary. And yet her story has gone out and reached many for Christ, has it not? Oh, absolutely. I spoke for two years for Campus Crusade, spoke at Princeton University, Berkeley, and we had record crowds for two years. And uh, Campus Crusade said that, told me that they had the largest number of conversions in their history during that two-year period, 120 colleges and universities. And then we felt led, and our, our school program is not religious, it can't be, but it's deeply spiritual. It, it reaches the hearts of kids and brings an almost immediate change. I mean, we see miracles happen. We see little kids that uh, 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 haven't said a word to anyone in two or three years because they're so withdrawn. And uh, we've seen them open up and begin to talk and uh, we just we see a lot of wonderful things happening. Hmm. Speak to the nation tonight. How should we be processing what's happening? Because we know that these kind of tragedies get used for a lot of political agendas. And even tonight right. on the news, we're listening as people are saying, OK, this is it. We finally got to do something about gun violence. How do you as a father that lost your daughter to a school violence, gun violence, how, how do you process that? And what do you say to Americans about that? Well, first of all, uh, it was not a gun that decided to kill my daughter. Guns don't make decisions. People do. It was the hearts of two young men that was very evil, very wicked, who planned for a year to do what they did at Columbine. Uh, their weapon of choice was not guns. They had planted two propane tech, uh, tanks, barbecue grill tanks in the, in the cafeteria. And the police tell us if those two tanks had exploded like they were uh, timed to do, over 500 students would have died at Columbine. And uh, fortunately, those tanks didn't explode. They even shot their guns at the tanks to try to get them to explode, and they still wouldn't. But uh, they grabbed guns when the tanks refused to explode and as a backup plan, and they began to shoot and kill the students. Uh, the instrument of death is not is not the cause of the death. It's the person behind the gun, behind the knife, behind the club, behind the propane tank. And that's what we have put our energy and focus on is reaching the hearts of the youth. And like I say, we've prevented eight school, shoot eight school shootings that would have been on the news that never were because young men had their hearts touched or young, young people turned in their friends who weren't gonna turn in their friends after hearing Rachel's story. So I'm so thankful that we have seen dozens, if not hundreds of lives saved from school shootings because of Rachel's story. But I would say this, uh, I don't get into the politics of this. I've spoken several times before Congress, but uh, the, the issue goes much deeper than gun control. Uh, Eric and Dylan, the two shooters at Columbine, laughed on video and said after Columbine, you're gonna go pass more gun laws and it's not gonna stop people like us. And we could pass all the gun laws in the world, 
and it's not going to stop people from murdering others. They'll find a way if their intent is to do that. What we can do and what we are doing is reaching the hearts of young people before they're hardened enough to be able to commit such atrocious crimes. Mm. Daryl, in conclusion tonight, we want to invite people to visit rachelschallenge.org, rachelschallenge.org. When they go there, I've, I've been to the site today, how could they get involved with your organization with their local schools? Well, first of all, we're a nonprofit organization, 501c3, and uh, we appreciate any donations that come in. Uh, I was on Laura Ingram's show not too long ago, and she donated a month's worth of her product to wow. Rachel's Challenge, uh, quite a sum. Uh, we have a close friend who just died a year ago this week, Foster Freeze, who had uh, helped us oh, tremendously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I spoke at his funeral along with Vice President Pence, and Laura was there, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson was there, uh, Dr. Ben Carson was there, and uh, uh, a lot of others. But uh, you can donate to help us reach more children, or you can talk to your local school, you can contact us, put us in contact with your elementary, middle school, or high school, because we do uh, schools K through 12, what we do is we, we have a formula. It's called the EMP formula to empower kids. The E stands for emotional impact, which our assembly does better than any assembly out there. The M stands for meaningful connections. And we do that through training uh, about 100 students and creating a club in the school. We have tens of thousands of those clubs all over America doing amazing things. And they help connect the kids in the school to each other to their parents, to their teachers. And the third part, the P, stands for purposeful action. And so we have schools that have created in classrooms, uh, Rachel's closets, uh, kids can come in and pick out new clothing. We have Rachel's pantries where they can get food before and after school. And we have Rachel's salons where local hairdressers volunteer their time to give haircuts and hairdos to kids that need them. And there's much more, but because of time, I'll stop it there. Well, you know, what you're talking about here is something we've been saying on the air more and more, and that is one of the problems we're having in America and maybe around the world that we've seen in history past is the dehumanizing of each other. Yes. And what, and what you're talking about is humanizing each other, helping each Absolutely. other, being charity, Absolutely. compassion. So you, you would agree, I think one of the biggest problems we have today is that we, we're, we're dehumanizing people. We, don't, we, we can disagree with their politics. We can di disagree with their lifestyle choice or whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, we, we, we cannot dehumanize people because when we do that, we, we're devaluing them as someone created by God. Uh, and I just think that a lot of what's going on in our society today is meant for us to dehumanize each other so we don't value life and we have this callous attitude toward life. Would you agree? Well, it's exactly what Hitler did in Germany. Exactly he right. the Jewish people and the black people, and uh, he, he caused division. And there's just, uh, I spoke, uh, President Trump had me to come and speak at the White House right after the uh, shooting in Florida to the uh, to parents that were there. And I talked about the fact that uh, there's, there's something we need to focus on. If we focus too much, and the key is too much, if we focus too much on diversity, we create division. I've seen that happen over and yes. over and over again. Yes. If we focus too much on, on unity, we create compromise. But we cannot focus too much on relationships. If we focus on relationships, we can celebrate our diversity and we can work toward our unity. We don't have to compromise. But focusing on human beings as human beings, and I have friends that are extremely liberal, and I have friends that are extremely conservative. They won't even talk to each other. But they know that I care about them as individuals. And I will at least listen to their arguments if I don't agree with them. And we need more and more to be able to listen to each other. And unfortunately, we've got leaders that are encouraging this division, encouraging this isolation. And isolation is what causes suicide. We're seeing a rampage of suicide take place right now. And for every school shooting, and every student that dies in a school shooting, there's over 370 students that commit suicide every year. And of course, lockdowns, shutting kids out of school, making them separate, 
isolating them. That saw a huge spike in suicides among young people, did it not, Daryl? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Isolation is always the number one cause. Even the centers of disease control say that connectiveness is the key solution to prevent suicide, which we agree. Daryl, what, what role also are we seeing violent video games, which again, dehumanize people because they're killing so violently on the, on the screen that again, it, it, it's desensitizing. What role has violent video games, alcohol, drugs, um, maybe even kids who are very, very angry due to sexual abuse? What, what consequences are these having in these suicides or school shootings? Well, all of those contribute. Uh, I did an interview on CNN a few years ago and a very famous uh, uh, rapper whose, whose lyrics are very violent, uh, who the whole world knows his name. He and I were talking and he said, I've never killed anyone. And I said, neither did Charles Manson. Charles Manson didn't kill anyone, but he influenced people to kill people. And your songs have caused many suicides. And we know that for a fact. So it's, a, it's the influence that's, that's there through the video games. And uh, we're moving into a realm of virtual reality that's scary beyond scary, uh, that's going to take this and escalate it to a whole new level. So we don't focus on the negative as much as we do the positive. And we're, we, we create programs, even digital programs that we encourage young people to use. Uh, for example, we, we create a whole cyber, uh, anti-cyber bullying program where the minute a child is cyber bullied at school, uh, the Friends of Rachel Club begins to send hundreds, even thousands of positive messages to the one that's being bullied and it dries up the bullying immediately because wow. the bully doesn't get your attention. Wow. Well, you guys have come up with some very creative things. Daryl, I apologize that we have not been in touch for so many years, but like I said, I've thought about you often. And of course, every time we hear of a tragic school shooting, I immediately think of you and what you went through and Rachel and her story. But I, I have to tell you how um, pleased I am and, ex and, 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 and proud I am of you to see all that you have accomplished. Again, I don't know how it was, Daryl, that it always shocked me how within a few months of, of Rachel's death, you were traveling the country speaking at events, in, at our events, our Worldview Weekends and things. I just didn't know how you were able to do that, but you did. And I was just, you were out there speaking and addressing this issue. And I wanna thank you for all you've done for young people and parents and for the nation. Well, thank you, Brandon. It's so good to reconnect. Well, you, we have each other's numbers again, so you reach out anytime, all right? All right, thank you. Daryl Scott, folks, checking in. I do hope you'll check out his website. Uh, and you can also should check out the book about Rachel and her life. It's called Rachel's Tears. You'll, I'm sure you'll find it on Amazon, but I do hope you'll check out his website, rachelschallenge.org, rachelschallenge.org. Well, let's open up the phone lines for the rest of the evening. Mike is not going to be able to join us. Um, Mike is, uh, we're going to make sure Mike sees this interview. I think it'll ring uh, very special for Mike. I think he'll appreciate the fact that we uh, spent the time tonight on his show, giving time to Rachel's story and to Rachel's dad, Daryl Scott. But we'd love to hear your thoughts tonight. What do you think about what you've just heard? And what are you thinking as you watch the TV tonight and listen and hear of 14 little elementary school children who won't be going home, whose parents are driving around looking for their kids, going to the different buildings, trying to verify whether their child is alive or not. Can you imagine? The number here is 901, what is it, Logan? 901-316-8404, 901-316-8404. Let's go back real quick to those pictures. Put those back up on the screen, guys, if you don't mind. These, this was, again, events that we organized with our Worldview Weekend. Of course, you know WVW stands for Worldview Weekend. So WVW Worldview Weekend was a conference organization I started in February, launched our first one, February of 93, I think it was, maybe 92, but February 93, I think, our first Worldview Weekend. And, of course, we did many events like this. That's Aldrich Arena near Maplewood, Minnesota, Twin Cities. Daryl was the keynote speaker that night. Again, the media shocked me. CBS, ABC, NBC shocked me how much coverage the media gave to this event. It was free to the public and we sponsored it and it was just packed. Maybe go to the next one. I meant to ask Daryl about those crosses. 
but there were 13 crosses a man made. You might remember those crosses being put up on the hill across from Columbine, and the students would go up that hill. Well, that man, when he found out we were going to hold this event with Daryl, he called me and he said, can I bring the 13 crosses? And he traveled through the night to be there and to have those 13 crosses representing each of those young people whose lives were lost or taken. And the students, of course, had signed them. The students in that community had walked up that hill and signed those crosses. So there was a lot of messages on them. But those are those 13 crosses that you saw on national television. And that, that, that man who made those drove through the night to be there in the Twin Cities at that event we organized with Daryl's the keynote speaker to a packed uh, ice arena, Aldrich Arena. It was stirring, as you can well imagine. That night, after Daryl gave a very clear gospel message, many, many young people and adults came forward. We had counselors that were pre-trained with literature, and we gave them literature to go and uh, take with them. Quite something, isn't it? Maybe the next one. That was Aldrich Arena, the Twin Cities. We ended up going on, if you want to move to the next picture, we ended up going on to um, Duluth, Minnesota. Again, we had a capacity crowd. That's Duluth, Minnesota. That's a high school auditorium we rented. Duluth, Minnesota. I don't have any, I don't have any pictures in there of, um, of uh, Rochester, Minnesota, but we've had an event in Rochester, Minnesota. That's Daryl speaking there at the podium at uh, Aldrich Arena. 316, 901 area code, 316-8404, 901-316-8404. Let me see if I can find a picture uh, of those crosses on the hill. Let's see if there's any of those pictures. Yeah, there is one right there. Look at that. Let's see. Uh, yeah, there you go. There they are right there, if you guys want to show that. There they are. And you guys remember that making the news that those were there up on that hill and the young people would walk up there. That's something. Let's go to your phone calls, 901-316-8404. I'm getting emails. I'm getting text. So many people thanking us for just interviewing Daryl. Let's go to the phone calls. Let's start out with Stacy in Arizona. Stacy, line one. Thank you for calling in tonight, Stacy. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I just think it's it's absolutely a horrible thing that the the thing we're having to politicize is the murder of kids. Are you re are you referencing the fact that you mean as soon as people are murdered like this, the, the gun lobby, the anti-gun lobby runs out. Is that what you're referring to? Well, not even them, but it's, it's you know, it's now on every news. Um, it's politicized everywhere, and it's just such a horrible thing that, that this is the things that we have to listen to in our news instead of... Um, you know, more critical things. We know it's going to be sensationalized. We know it's going to be used by people for their political agenda, for trying to uh, limit gun rights and everything else. So we know it's going to be used for things that it has nothing to do with. Um, guns are guns are not the the instrument that killed the children. It's the the people and the minds and who they were that killed these children. I grew up with guns. I was in the Midwest. My dad never locked up any of his weapons. We grew up learning how to shoot them. Um, never would I have thought to take a gun to school, even though I was a child of bullying and, uh, you know, constant abuse at school. I never would have thought to take one to school and use it on any of my classmates. Um, and we were we were exposed to them all the time, and they sat in my dad's room unlocked. We never 
played with them, used them for evil purposes, and yet we're seeing these this stuff being sensationalized like uh, somehow the gun is the problem. It's not the gun. It's the person that's using it. And what what was going on in their mind that got them to this place? Mm. Um, so to me, it's just it's just another horrible thing that we're having to draw attention to instead of the things that um, instead of things that we should be focusing on, which is trying to save our country, we shouldn't be having, you know, kids shouldn't be in a situation like this. And these things shouldn't be so uh, forward in front of our mind um, to where this is the focus of the day. It just, it's, it's just, and then it's going to be used to politicize and it's going to be used for politics. And it's just such a disgusting thing that's going to be used to try to, um, influence people that are not necessarily thinking clearly on mm. what it all means. Thank you, Stacy. Stacy from Arizona checking in. I think one of the key things I take away from her call there, folks, is that we should be focusing on the heart. We should be focusing on training the heart. But, you know, reality is we are training the heart. When we, when we teach the things we're teaching in school, they are teaching the heart. You know, the word heart and mind are used in the Bible over 800 times, and they're interchangeable, the heart and the mind, you know? Uh, and yet, what are we training their heart to believe? What are we training, training them to believe in their mind? Look at this picture. I found another one. Those crosses on the hill there at Columbine. Do you guys remember that day? Some of you maybe are too young to remember. I clearly remember that day. I clearly remember that day. I can, I can literally picture it in my mind, coming out of my office, going into the living room, sitting on the couch, and watching what was unfolding. And my wife and I were, you know, married uh, by that point seven years, six years, six years, no, 91, so eight years. And to watch to watch that unfolding in front of us, you know, we we like the last caller. We didn't no, we don't know. We didn't know people that would have thought that way in school, and to think what is happening to our country. And that was 1999, April 20th, 1999. I remember it vividly. I bet most of you do as well. And sadly, it's now become all too common. But I go back to the issue of the heart. We discussed last week on the on Sunday night, I believe it was, on my Sunday night broadcast at eight o'clock here. That in 1980, the Supreme Court ruled, the United States Supreme Court ruled, related to the state of Kentucky, which set, because it's the federal Supreme Court ruling, it set precedent for all the states. But in 1980, the Supreme Court ruled that children cannot look at the Ten Commandments day after day on the schoolroom wall, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after month, year after year, because they may be compelled to follow them even if they don't want to. And thus, it was the establishment of a religion. Are you kidding me? How is the state of Kentucky posting the Ten Commandments the establishment of a federal religion? It's not. We see these on Capitol Hill, as you heard Daryl mention. We know there's representation of the Ten Commandments and Moses, the lawgiver, on, this, on the Supreme Court walls and in the Supreme Court architecture. We know that there is Moses the lawgiver in the chambers of the U.S. Congress. What are we training their hearts? God forbid we train the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. Let's go to Barry in Georgia. Barry, thank you for calling in tonight, Barry. Hey, Brandon. Uh, I just listened to your other caller and everything, and I remember when Columbine happened, too. Um it really upset me, and I've got a daughter and two grandsons, and I tell my grandson all the time, I say, look, you got to be aware of your situation. It's, it's horrible to have to teach a child to be aware somebody might try to kill him at school. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I have to sit him down and look at him and make sure he's paying attention. He, he's around 12. I think he's supposed to be 13 this year, but... I mean, I remember when Columbine happened, I said, you know what, that's probably just the Democrats trying to do, send somebody out there to do it, or, you know, I just felt like it was some kind of conspiracy to get our guns, but it's still horrible. 
Yeah, I mean, thank you, Barry. They'll thank do you, Barry. anything, you know. I, I think what it was, if you want to talk about, thank you, Barry. Thank you, Barry. If you want to talk about conspiracy, right. I, I think what it was is indeed a spiritual issue. Uh, these boys, if you study these two boys, I'm not even going to name their names. But if you study what they had gotten into, the gothic, dark stuff that they had gotten into, uh, and, the, and the videos they had made. And again, you heard Gerald, I asked him if I, my memory served me correctly in that they targeted Rachel. They mentioned her by name in some of those videos. She had been trying to invite them to church. This is spiritual. Yeah, it's a conspiracy at, at the highest level. The Bible says in Ephesians that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And, and this is something spiritual for sure. I'll say that for sure. Here's another picture I just found. This is actually Daryl's son, Craig. We mentioned Craig a while ago, and he was under the table, and you heard him talk about how if the alarms had not gone off, they had the gun pointed right at his son, and uh, they had killed a bunch of the kids in the library, and he was under a table, and uh, they were about to kill him. But the alarms went off, and they moved away. There's a picture of Craig with his picture of his sister behind him. We met Craig, as, you, as I, we said earlier. He came to an event with his father, Daryl. Very impressive young man, as I remember. 901-316-8404. 901-316-8404. Let's go to Robin, line three. Robin in Georgia. Thanks for calling in tonight, Robin. Hi. Um, I just was wanting to share something positive that came out of this. I'm going to probably cry. That's all right. But, uh, yeah. Um, my daughter was very young when this happened, like probably, well, she was born in 92. So, so very young. This happened in 99. 99. That right? That's right. Yes. And so she was going to Christian school and, you know, sweet. And, you know, we didn't know if she had accepted Christ yet. And, um, you know, she's raised her hand a time or two, but she would never get baptized. She would just never get baptized. And, um, one night we there was a special on and it was about the columbine shooting and i was watching it and it got a little bit intense and um and when it got intense is when they told um this girl's story about how she had said she believed in god and that they shot her and my daughter i just kind of said okay honey it's time for bed and i put her to bed and um and I was sitting and finishing the um the documentary that they had about it and um she came out a little later and I said, Honey, you need to go to sleep and she turned around and went back. Then she came out again and I said, Honey and I said, It's getting late, gotta go to school turned around, she went back and the third time I just felt the spirit of God say, This is like Samuel. It's the third time you need to ask her what's going on. And so I asked her, and she just said, I don't know if I'm going to be with Jesus. And I said, okay, well, let's just pray right now. And she accepted Christ that night and made for sure that that was, you know, that she actually did it. And that next Sunday, she went up the aisle and made sure she was going to get baptized. So it was just, uh, I guess, beauty from ashes came out of this what what was this young girl's name? Rachel. Laura? Rachel, Rachel. 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 I'm sorry. So Rachel's but, I mean, story. Never... Rachel's story. Rachel's testimony touched the life of your daughter. She did, and that's what I said. There's so many seeds that were planted through this girl's testimony that her dad doesn't even realize. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you yeah. know, and um, I just I'm so grateful and that um, this girl loved the Lord and that she was a testimony right up until the end because. Her seeds were planted and planted very deeply and in many lives. And I'm just, you know, a mom in Georgia with a grown daughter who's now almost 30. And she wrote in her book why she got saved was the Columbine girl. Wow. The testimony of (laughs) Rachel Scott. Wow. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Robin. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Be blessed. You too. Thank you. Wow. Make sure that Daryl hears that. I'm sure he's heard that so many times, but you can never hear it enough or hear another one. You always want to hear another one. Kathy in Florida, line four. Thank you for calling in tonight, Kathy. Hey, Brandon. Hi, Kathy. Hey, first of all, thank you to you and Mike for your platform. 
and speaking the truth from the word. Thank you. And it's so refreshing, um, all that Mike has done and everything. And my heart goes out to Daryl, first of all, and to all of the parents today who lost a child. I remember Columbine, but I don't remember Daryl. And by you giving him a platform tonight, it has been so helpful to hear all of the good that has come out of something like this and how he's forged ahead. And I just wish that what he's done and all the prevention and the tears, the one about the the dream and the tears going to the ground, like the seeds, like, you know, the seven feasts, et cetera, on Jewish tradition, it was so enlightening. And I wish that more people would give platform to the good, shine the light on the good. So I, there was another caller who had mentioned how the other news stations, and it's no sense to even talk about it or bring attention to it, but if only those people would use their mouth and would shine light on things like Daryl and all the things he's done, I think more people would unite and come together for the greater good. We don't need to see anything else. We need to come together and we need to stand together. And maybe there will be a time where we take our money instead of spending it to other countries and we put it on our children and our people and on education and uniting people, just like Daryl said. He can talk to the left and the right, but he's there to unite. So Absolutely. thank you for all you do and everything he's done. I'm going to get this out so that people look at her story, and I hope that we can all do something in our own communities to shine lights on anything like this. It's not about the guns. It goes far deeper than that. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. And by the way, folks, you'll find her book if you go to, I'm sure if you go to Amazon, I'll just type it in here real quick, see what I find here real quick. Don't show my screen, guys. I'll just type it in. Let's see. Uh, Rachel's Tears. Just see if it's available. It, it's got to be. I'm sure it is. Rachel, let me spell it right, though. Come on. All right. So um, her book, yeah, there it is. Rachel's Tears, the 10th anniversary edition, which, of course, is not the case now. Daryl Scott's the author with uh, Beth Nemo. So uh, there you go. Show, show, uh, show that, guys. Now you can. That's the cover of the book. You'll find it on Amazon, Rachel's Tears, The Spiritual Journey of Columbine Martyr Rachel Scott. And uh, you can order it. And I've got a copy of my library. There are those, there are those crosses again, right at the top of the book. The ones that the gentleman drove through the night to bring to the uh, Aldrich Arena when we sponsored that event with Daryl. So uh, you can order it. And there's a lot of her diary and journal entries, a lot of her diary and journal entries uh, through that book. Quite quite impactful. Uh, maybe it's a great graduation gift to buy for a young person at any time, really, frankly. Let's go to uh, another caller from Florida, Natalie. Natalie calling in from Florida. Natalie, thanks for calling in tonight, Natalie. Yeah. Hi. Hi, this is Natalia, and I'm calling... Oh, Natalia. Uh, I'm sorry, Natalia. I'm sorry. I said Natalia, your name wrong. Natalia. Sorry. Sorry. So there's just so many beautiful miracles that are connected with Rachel's story. I really see her as a a modern-day martyr and one of maybe the greatest leaders in history. She is the great leader she's continuing to lead. So when Mike Lindell first started Frank's speech... He used to talk a lot about young people and how he wanted to do an hour of education and different things having to do with young people and supporting them to become leaders. And, of course, this is our their future that we're all fighting for. Um, I keep being so concerned that Mike keeps telling us about this new paradigm that we have to focus on getting rid of the election machines. And I think it's coming here also that all of the great things Rachel's father is describing that are being done in schools by these students. Here's another opportunity. There are only a hundred some counties out of 3000 some counties in our country where people have any understanding of of this paradigm. We don't even have Frank speech hosts that most of them, not all, but most of them don't seem to be able to break out of that mindset 
of what we need to win an election, and we have to get rid of the vote of the election electronic equipment. Absolutely. We've, we've been failing at this for all these years now, decades apparently, and people don't get it. They, they, they still think the world is flat, you know? <laughs> and Mike didn't know about of politics. He wasn't involved in it, so he didn't have to unlearn what you know how politics is done right okay this is this is the way we do politics no he didn't have to unlearn it so he quickly grasped it but other people aren't getting it maybe we need to to somehow support students to be the light bearers on this issue they're right there in their communities and people might start to listen to them Mm. Thank you, Natalie, for the call. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Go back to the call. Go back to the screen. This is another screenshot of uh, Rachel's book, Rachel's Tears, The Spiritual Journey of Columbine Martyr Rachel Scott. And throughout this book, you'll see her own handwriting in her journal. That was her writing on December 25th, 97. Let's go to Patricia in Connecticut. Patricia, thank you for calling in, Patricia. I'm glad to be on. Um, Just wanted to say that... uh, I, w- I was in the military years ago, and so I know how to use a weapon. And but I'd, I always chose not to have one because I was afraid I'd use it. So, uh, but the thing is, if you think back, when uh, um, Gene and Abel were around, there was no there was no weapons, and uh, he somehow found a way to kill his brother. Yep. So it has nothing to, it has nothing to do with. A weapon. It has to do, like you said earlier, with the heart. Yep. And if if our hearts are not right with God, if we're not with Him, then your heart is being led by another person. We know who that is. Another Satan. spirit. Another spirit. Right. Yeah. And uh, people have to come to the reality that we have to, as Christians, we have to start praying as a unit to come against these powers of darkness that are trying to come against our children. And I just pray for all the parents and even the uh, people that the teacher who lost was lost to. Pray for all of them that uh, God give them peace. Absolutely, but, Patricia. Uh, but it is it is a very sad situation that we're living in dark times, and we all need to come together and pray against this evil and over overcome evil with good. Amen. Well, the, amen. Thank you, Patricia. Yeah, the Bible makes it clear, doesn't it, Patricia, that the prayers of the of the righteous availeth much. Thank you, Patricia. One last caller tonight, Dana from Oklahoma. Dana, thanks for calling in tonight, Dana. Uh, Yeah, do you have time for me? Yes, I do. Okay, yeah, this is Dana from Oklahoma, and um, I taught in Texas for many years. I'm very familiar with Uvalde, and it's breaking my heart tonight. And by the way, we're just now being told it's now up to 18 children. I've just been told in my ear it's now 18 (sighs) children dead. That is that is so horrible. I I was a I, w- I was a teacher for more than 19 years and and then was an administrator, curriculum director. Um, the day that Columbine happened, I had a class of sophomores, um, and and had to explain to them what had happened and talk them through it. And we were in Colleen, Texas, where the Luby's massacre happened in 1991, where re- 23 people. I remember that clear as a bell. I remember that day too. Yeah. I, I could I could see the lubies from where I was living at the time and um and and so you know it was like two big periods of going through grief there in that decade and of thinking about where where we are in the world right now and and it just keeps getting worse but you know w- w- what the Lord has been showing me tonight is that it's not about politics we have somehow got to find a common denominator in our country and realize that it all comes down to basically family community and addressing mental illness Mm. it's about the people it's it's about the people and where they are and how we love them and how we make them not isolated so that these things happened thank you for the call appreciate it appreciate all of your calls tonight let's close out with this put that back on the screen there rachel's tears again that's that's in the book you'll see her journal throughout and rachel's mom and dad writing about it Rachel's Tears, The Spiritual Journey of Columbine Martyr Rachel Scott. Of course, what precipitated all this today was, unfortunately, the tragedy of the massacre in Texas near San Antonio. Now reported 18 students, 18 elementary students dead, one teacher. And again, it heightens again the issue of the heart. 
like the caller said, you can kill anybody with a rock, your fist, a gun, a knife. Uh, it's an issue of the heart. Thanks for watching. Take care. You're watching Lindell TV.